K-Cut, and this is the K-Cut. I'm Rachel, I'm here with Andreas and James, and it's Oscar season. And tonight we are going to be talking about the different types of feature film that are categories at the Oscars. Documentary, animation, international, everything but best picture. So, first off, uh, just to go in alphabetical order, I guess we'll go with animation. So, the nominees are Flea, Encanto, Luca, Raya and the Last Dragon, and The Mitchells versus The Machines. All right. So where did you write them? I put Luca last. Naturally. I kind of feel bad. Yeah, it's it was good for what it was, but it wasn't nomination worthy. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of surprised it's here. But again, I didn't really see much else outside of the noms, so I don't really know anything else that could have been in its place. Um, for that, I put Encanto mainly because it's just what I expect from Disney. Yeah. Like it, it, it was good for what it was, but it's Disney being Disney. I mean, they're... They haven't really done anything groundbreaking animation-wise in a while because they've kind of settled on a specific style. Right. Three, I put Flea. I thought Flea was good, but I think as far as an animation category, I thought it was unique, but I think that's where it stopped for me. But it was definitely really interesting, especially, you know, it's not... And non-American animation is always fascinating because they try to find a way to have these, like, little quirks that aren't found in a lot of our animation. But uh, Ray and the Last Dragon, just because... I think for the size of that movie and all the animation it was doing with all the magic and stuff, I thought it was just phenomenal. I mean, it wasn't the most amazing screenwriting, but I think it definitely pulled it off as far as the technical aspect. And then my top one was the Mitchells versus the machines because, hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think as far as taking anim- the art of animation far, I think that really hit the mark, especially in the digital animation space. Cause it was uh that was Sony, right? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, because I think it was, I think uh, the animated some of the animators that were on uh, the last Spider Verse were on this one also. Oh, that's yes. cool. I mean, I think I think they could have done a little bit more with certain elements, but I don't know. I, I still think it was just you know great A. No, Spider Verse um, won the year it came out, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. They Much deserving. Did. Yeah, because it's like the best damn Marvel related thing ever. Marvel Studios, Marvel Universe doesn't matter. Oh, and who's the prediction? The prediction, I think it's going to be in Kanto because it's Disney and it's the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not much to say there, I guess. Uh, for myself, I've got to go in agreement with uh, with Luca Last. Is it a cute film? Yes. Um, is it a good film? I'd say it's all right. It's pretty good. Um, is it really one of the best animated features of the year? I really don't think so. And as much as I love Pixar and I'm willing to defend them even during this bit of a downslope of a decade that they've had um they've had some really good stuff but i'm willing to defend the uh the so-so stuff having said that it's the weakest one here and that's what the question was i've got to go with um ray and the last dragon fourth because i feel like the animation in this film is the best out of all of the candidates here having said that i feel like it's a screenplay that's down a little bit but i feel like this is a sign of things to come for the studio I feel like uh, this is almost like trying to evoke what they were doing with Treasure Planet and uh, that Atlantis film that they were doing, you know, at the end of the 90s, early 2000s. They really dropped that type of storytelling like a hot potato, I guess because it wasn't a great reception. I feel like they're targeting, targeting it again in hopes of actually making it really work this time. 
I hope that this is a good a sign of good things to come. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines third. I feel like I agree with you, James. That it's some of the best animation in this category. It's certainly some of the most inventive and imaginative imagination of this specific group of nominees. Um, I loved it for the most part. I feel like it's. Uh, multifaceted storytelling style was done really well. I just feel a little bit let down by the climax where in a film that's so well constructed it relied a little bit too much on serendipity and stuff happens. I don't know. That that doesn't sit too well with me but otherwise I think it's quite good. Um, Encanto second, I do have to agree it is standard Disney. It's exactly what we expect from the studio but I still prefer it to works like Moana. I feel like this is of the same tier as Zootopia, where it's exactly what you expect, but a teensy bit extra. And I feel like the magic of, you know, the, the House Madrigal, I think it's called, um, I feel like that stands out. I feel like the songs are some of the best in recent memory for Disney. The animation is just so lush, so magical, so beautiful. I think it's standard, but it's like a good standard for Disney. Otherwise, Flea takes it for me, number one. I feel like its animation is the weakest. But that doesn't matter because as a film, I think it's fantastic. And the animation is coming from a really good place. It's like snapshots of a really hard time as if you're like scribbling in your diary. Um, you know, all this stuff that's happening to you. It's a very candid film. And I can't wait to talk it uh, twice more throughout this episode. So uh, I'm predicting a canto as well because I don't need to explain more. It's Disney and Oscars. <laughs> Have either of you got snubs at this point? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't think I saw any other animated films outside of these. You know, I don't think I did either. I mean, I I do have snubs, but I don't feel like there's anything that was, like, so heavily underrepresented or, or mis you know. No. Nah. I, I, think, I think it's, like, fine. Right, well, I have exactly the same ranking as you and the same prediction, Andrea, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, Luca, I thought, was really cute. I like the Italian stuff. But yeah, it just didn't do it for me overall as a movie. It, it could have been a lot better. Raya and the Last Dragon, it, again, beautifully animated. It got tripped up by its screenplay and it got into sort of kid silliness where it was trying to do adult humor and kid humor at the same time. And it just didn't work. Um, the Mitchells versus the Machines. I really liked the innovation. I liked the characterization. I liked that somebody was doing something different for once. I just... Um, I found that the animation got a bit clunky in scenes, and it just brought it brought me out of the movie. So that's why it's at number third. I really like Encanto at number two because I think it's just a really stellar example of big studio animation. It's got it takes new directions. Um, it goes really deeply into family history and generational history, and it succeeds on all those levels. And Flea's number one. I, I would agree that the animation's not the best part, but it really suits the story it's trying to tell. And I just think what they did with it and the story they told and the ways they dove into the characters were so beautiful and so unique. And I wish it was going to win. I don't think it will, but I'm kind of wavering on my choice of Encanto because it feels pretty solid. But Mitchell's and the Machines has been cleaning up at some of the guilds and, and animation awards, so I'm starting to wonder if maybe they're a little bit sick of Disney and Pixar always dominating. You have to wonder, because there are three Disney properties here, and it could be splitting votes. It, it could be exhaustion, like you said. Um, I mean... Sometimes animated films win these other like you know these other award shows, but the Mitchells versus the Machines has won some pretty particular ones. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. 
Alrighty, so next we have the uh, documentary features, and unlike the shorts this year, the features category is quite stacked, and I'm excited to talk about these. So in alphabetical order, we have Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, and Writing with Fire. Okay, so uh, Rachel, kick things off. How do these docs look? Sure. So I um, I put Attica at number five. All these were so strong this year that this was one of the hardest categories to rank. I kept going back and forth. But yeah, I put Attica at number five. I think it was really well done. It told a really interesting story. It was just very standard documentary filmmaking. So it just, everything this year was just so high up that it was a really tough competition. Writing with Fire, same thing. I thought it was really cool how they used the social media. I think it was a really, really important movie to watch. All of these movies have incredible topics. Um, but it was just not quite as innovative as the first three. And so third, I've got Flea. I think it's still a stunning achievement as a character story, as animation, as documentary. Um, and then Summer of Soul, beautifully edited, really brings home the power of these musicians and the impact they had on the people who listened to them. And yet it's this story that most people have never heard. And it's just really well done all around. Excellent documentary. I flipped so hard between number one and number two, but in the end, I knew you guys were both going to pick Summer of Soul, I'm pretty sure. So I put Ascension as first because I love that movie. It is a symphony of images. It is so beautifully done and it just sits back and lets the scenes unfold before you and you get to see what modern China looks like and how these changes are coming. And yet it has almost no commentary. It just plays it out before you and it's beautiful just beautifully beautifully put together so i put ascension as number one that said summer of soul is probably going to win and it's very deserving shout out to ascension i'm uh i guess for you know your uh the sake that you uh, or for the reason that you said i'm i'm happy that you gave it a number one shout out james what about you what does your ranking look like all right well i put attica at five and that's not a knock against its quality because it, it was really good. It was just, I think it was your standard documentary. It was definitely an interesting story, but you know, we, I mean, there's so many things with the prison system that have these kind of stories. This just kind of adds to the canon of it. Now, number four, I put flea and I hate to say this, but flea wasn't one of my favorites in any of its categories. Fair enough. I'm starting to see that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was good, but at the same time, I think there's two things. I think the weight of the subject matter and the hype of getting all of these awards or, or nominations is what uh, is really giving it its draw. And, and, and again, like I said, it's good. I think the animation is unique, but I don't know. I also think it's like documentary. It, it's because it, it's it's more into the docudrama space, which I think is just shy of basically being a biopic. I mean, yes, obviously we have an interview with the actual person it's about, but the way it's cut together, it's like it didn't really feel like a documentary. Now, number three, I put Writing with Fire. I thought this is a fairly basic documentary, but I think it's fascinating watching the development of journalism, let alone women journalists, in a country that is so oppressive to women. And I think, what was the risk of putting this out? Because the documentary explicitly mentions how there have been murders of journalists in that country, like, recently. So it's like, I always wonder, like, man, this was risky putting out. But, you know, they're definitely doing it regardless because they want to raise awareness. Second, I put Ascension because that movie runs purely on vibes and I wouldn't have it any other way. I also like how it, it develops because it unfolds starting with, like, the lower class up into the elite class. And it's almost kind of surreal, like... It's hard to believe that that's actually like 
it, it was real. You know, especially it's like, you know, capturing candid moments of everything. And you know, the photography was amazing. And yeah, it, it was definitely one of my favorites. And then obviously Summer of Soul. I think this this functions on two specific things. One, the Harlem Cultural Festival, I think is something really cool to learn about because it's the complete opposite of Woodstock was, which happened around the same time. But this feels so much more because, I mean, everyone knows Woodstock. I mean, it's about the groundbreaking performances of all these legendary rock stars and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But this one highlights more of a nuanced territory, especially the fact that this wasn't just like a, you know, all out anything goes festival. It was a community event. Like people were bringing their families and kids there. And it's like, you know, they they ended at an appropriate time. And then you get to see these legendary performances of Stevie Wonder and Sly and the Family Stone. And it also highlights the importance of archiving. And despite the fact that the footage just sat in a basement for 50 years, I'm glad it sat in that basement and that they were able to recover it. So always keep the footage. And apparently that basement was temperature controlled and dry. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I think that's going to take it. I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Do we have any snubs? Uh, these are the only documentaries I watched. <laughs> it's a really tough category. It's not like the the shorts where I could have thought of like at least 10 other ones that should have been there. Um, this this was really stacked. And case in point, on Phil's Fatale, when I ranked this category, I actually had um, Ascension last. I'm going to change that. I'm going to flip it over to Attica as well. That's just how I'm feeling right now. It's a fantastic subject matter, uh, harrowing depictions and stories. I just feel like it was a little short in ways where it could have been a fuller picture. And otherwise, yeah, it's also t told very conventionally. Uh, not a slight against the film, but still a fantastic film. Uh, Ascension 4th, I feel like as far as city symphonies go, it just says so much about what it's trying to depict. And I know in one of the previous episodes, I think last episode, when I was discussing Lead Me Home, when I was saying that such little stuff is being told and it did not need to be 40 minutes. Uh, case in point, Ascension doesn't have any narration and stuff either, but you get so much of a bigger story of what it looks like to be in a you know, in a world full of industries and working classes and higher classes, you get the full picture without being told a single thing. And I feel like, you know, it's hypnotic nature. It's just a well shot, again, mesmerizing experience. Um, a hard hitting one as well. Writing with Fire Third, I really love the, um, the guts that this film has, that it's willing to go as far as it does. And, um, I love it. I, I love what it stands for. I love how it's told. And I hope that this brings the awareness that it that it's trying to achieve because it, it absolutely needs to be heard. Uh, number two, I flee. I feel like the um, the candid story being told, you know, you can only imagine that this is one out of millions of different yet similar tales of refugees. And it's heartbreaking stuff. It really is heartbreaking stuff. Uh, I love it. I think it's a great film. Number one, Summer of Soul. These other films are good or great. Summer of Soul is legitimately one of the best music documentary films I think I've ever seen. You know, it's uh, piecing together of everything. It's just brilliant. Um, I, I, I love it. I don't know what else I can say that hasn't been said already. What I will do is devote a little bit of time to saying 
Will Summer of Soul actually win? And I'll tell you why, because we've had monumental documentaries in the past. I'm thinking of The Act of Killing, um, you know, stuff like that, that have won other awards, other major awards, and yet the Oscars kind of let them down. I feel like the Oscars often get this category wrong. So I'm, I'm guessing this could be a potential place where Flea can actually win if it's not going to win the other two categories. I feel like this could be something where Attica wins, given its uh, political uh, political nature. Um, I'm still going to predict Summer of Soul, but I'm just saying don't be surprised if there's an upset, because this category kind of allows for it. So you never know. One thing I would say about Summer of Soul is that it has been heavily promoted for quite, quite a while. Like I, I knew about it even before it was shortlisted. And... Um, and also, I think it's a very accessible story for people. It's got all these great musicians. It's history people recognize. So I suspect that could push it over the top. It also has Obama's endorsement. So that could also help. Not that that helped him last year with his documentary. Exactly. It, it kind of helps in this category. So you never know. Otherwise... Um... Now we're going into the category that I think most of us really enjoy. like Because it's a very good selection most years. And that is Best International Film. Um, I don't think it's the most suspenseful Oscar race this year, but it's certainly a high-quality one. So first, uh, in alphabetical order, we've got Drive My Car, um, Flea, The Hand of God, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, and The Worst Person in the World, which are from Japan, Denmark, Italy, Bhutan, and Norway, respectively. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I This is always my favorite category because I feel like it's much more sincere then Best Picture. The only thing I don't like is the caveat that your country can only nominate one film. Um, outside of that, I typically find that this is the strongest category. And case in point, when you place something like The Hand of God last, um, that's how it looks. So The Hand of God, I feel like, is a really good film. Um, I love its, uh, its different emotional tones and how it's able to balance, uh, you know, comedic moments, absurdity, uh, you know, coming of age, awkwardness with some real tragic stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like it was a really good entry. Um, I would have loved to have seen something like Peril of Mothers or T10 here instead, but that's okay. I still think it's quite good for being the worst candidate here. It's still a really good film. Uh, next we have Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, which is the relentless battle that this Bhutanese film had to try and keep getting nominated again and again. It's a 2019 film, and this is a 2022 award ceremony. Um, having said that, it's still so beautifully told. It has so much heart. It's a very by-the-numbers kind of tale, but it's told so authentically that I don't really mind. Um, I just, I, I love it. I feel like it's slow re revelations and it's complete heart on its on its sleeve is just, it's one of those ones where is it the best film of the year? No, not really, but I still feel like it demands to be seen. And I guess the Oscars felt the same way, allowing it to be this type of exception. Um, third, I have Flea. So it's the first time I've ranked it anything less than first or second. So um, what more do I need to say about Flea? It's a, it's a great film. Um, the worst person in the world, number two. I feel like when it comes to the when it comes to the romantic comedy drama genre, this is such a refreshing take. 
for the 21st century and I love its literary nature which we will be getting into in the next episode I believe um, it, you know it's split up into different mindsets different chapters I feel like it really showcases how not black and white romance love drive how any of that stuff is in this day and age and I think it's a great film a great inclusion here otherwise drive my car is number one and drive my car is one of my favorite films of the year I feel like, um, I say this every time this film gets brought up, when I was working at TIFF and people were exiting the film, they were like, the first hour I was like waiting for it to finish, I didn't know how long this would go on for. By the third hour, I never wanted it to end and that's exactly how I feel about it. You almost feel like this this ghostly presence, this meditative, this, uh, meditative told story and how spiritual, how minimalist it is. It feels like you live within it. And yeah, I, I absolutely adore this film. We're gonna have more opportunities to discuss it. So um, I'm ranking it first and then I think it's a no brainer. It's probably gonna win because it's nominated for other massive categories. So um, yeah, James, what about you? So my ranking, I put Hand of God last also. I, I thought it was a good film. I think there was so much going on that it didn't really quite know what it wanted to be. Like there were certain moments I'm like, that that could have been trimmed. But overall, I thought it was a good effort. Flea, I've said my piece about Flea. I think my main thing about Flea is like I I enjoyed it, but it's like I'm not like aching to watch it again anytime soon. Now three, I put Lunana because I was surprised how good this was. Like I didn't know what to expect. It's like it's an older film that's just was pushing for a nomination before it came out, and I was like, "What? What's going on here?" And then I watched it. And I was like, "Oh wow! Like th- this was actually pretty good." I thought it was a very compelling story. The main actor was great. I thought the story was great. Yeah, I don't know. It was. <laughs> I'm not mad that it waited because I think it is deserving of the nomination. Second, The Worst Person in the World. I thought this film was just overall masterfully done. It was very well written, well acted, paced very well. Yeah, I I think this is a very good example of just international film in general and what the potential has for other countries to make film. Also, it was just announced that it was picked up by Criterion, so it'll be getting a Criterion release in June, I believe it is. Also, side note, our first collective smorgasbord film, Shaft, was also picked up along with Pink Flamingos by John Waters. Can we take the credit? I I would love to take the credit for this one. That film is so deserving of Criterion Treatment. Anyway, uh, my number one, Drive My Car. It's I've been having a serious issue with run times in the past few years. Some films are just running too long. This isn't the case with Drive My Car. It's three hours, but it actually justifies being three hours. And not a lot of films can do that. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, you turn a short story into a three-hour <laughs> movie. That's even crazier. Also, I love any story that uses mixed language to tell its tale. Because, yeah, I don't know. I'm just always fascinated with, like, you know, foreign language film is interesting enough. But when you had, you know, because what was it? There was... Japanese, there was Korean, there was English, there was even sign language. And I think that just added more depth to the story and of what it was trying to tell. It's and, universal nature, maybe. And they were all yeah. in the Russian play. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, it's I think it's representative because it, it combines so many different cultures and it's almost representative of what international film should be. And honestly, I think it'll take it. If not that, I think the worst person in the world will get it. 
Okay, this is going to be interesting. So, um, I put Hand of God last. I thought it was a really good story. It was just very disjointed. If it had kind of meandered less, less it, but, okay, sorry. If it had kind of meandered less, then it would have been a stronger film. Um, that that's one that could have used a better editor. Um, and then Lunana, I put as fourth. I don't think it's anything revolutionary in terms of story, but it's beautifully done, and the setting's really interesting. The lead character, it it's just a overall well done and a surprising nomination, but a good one, I think. Flea, I put it third. And again, we've all talked about Flea ad nauseum, but it, I think it's a solid number three. Just uh, well done all around. Now, I would drive my car second, you guys. And I'm going to have to talk okay. about both number two and number one to do this. So I love drive my car. I think it's epic. I think it pulls off this impossible feat of turning a short story into a three-hour film somehow. And for all the reasons you guys mentioned, I think it's great. It's just... It has this sort of remove from the audience, which I think kind of suits it. But in the end, the worst person in the world dives so deep into this main character and into her feelings and into her world. And it has so much warmth. And I connected to the warmth more in the end. I think it is compelling as a character study of one person. Well, Drive My Car is more about the human condition. When two movies are that good, sometimes you just have to go with your personal preference. So worst person in the world is number one, Drive My Car number two. That said, yeah, Drive My Car's winning. I think it even has an outside shot at Best Picture. So, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I could... It, for me, it's interchangeable because they are so different. It's like, like it could be either one for me. Like, I, I put Drive My Car first, but honestly... I, I honestly held them both in the same regard just because they were both so good. Honestly, I think... You know, the worst person in the world could have gotten a best pick nom, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, it got the screenplay, which was surprising. Exactly. And I might have knocked out Hand of God and thrown in compartment number six instead, because that's a really cool story of like, well, it's kind of strange to think of now, but Finnish-Russian relations at the time, and uh, all told through two people stuck on a train for a really long time. And there's petroglyphs. So what more can you want? Yeah, I mean... Hand of God is, is is really good. I love Sorrentino, but um, yeah, there were a number of, of international films that could have taken that spot, and I, I have heard a lot of buzz around that one. Um, having said that, yeah, Worst Person in the World, Drive My Car, I honestly do feel like they are two of the greatest films of last year, so I can easily see why they could be swapped around. We have one thing happening on the Oscars uh, this year that is unusual and that I think is part of our uh, general WT hackery that uh, we're having about the Oscars this year. And that is the Oscars cheer moment where apparently people are supposed to vote in on Twitter about the moment, the greatest cheer they ever had from a movie in their movie going experience. It's not one like the fan favorite where you pick from a list. Apparently you just send in your own as far as I can tell. Two thirds of us can't vote in it because we are not American. But I thought we could just quickly mention what is your biggest cheer moment in a movie? And then maybe the Academy will listen to us because we're cool. So uh, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. So I don't ever really remember things like this in a theater. I usually tune everybody else out. So it's like, sometimes I'll be aware of it after the fact, but I gotta say, I don't think I heard more cheering than in the final battle scene in Avengers Endgame. Just because there were so many moments where there was cheering, it was, it was a loud theater that day. <laughs> but 
Yeah, there was just so many moments that were just like everybody was cheering because it it always had like it had isolated moments that were just specific for the cheer. It was like when Captain America like picked up Thor's hammer or like when all the women of the MCU got together to battle in a group. And yeah, there was just so much or, you know, or, or just the cheering that happened like when all of them appeared because, you know, everything seemed hopeless against Thanos. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, you know, I've heard more cheering than in a Marvel film, just period. Cause it's like, they designed those films to be cheered on or cheered on. That's a good one. What about you, Andreas? Yeah. So, uh, it's funny because what gets the same amount of cheers as Marvel films, Star Wars films, any of these big franchises without being a franchise and you can guess because of the audience, they're Quentin Tarantino films. So in recent memory, um, I remember when I went to go see um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on I film. I knew what was, you were going to say. <laughs> it was actually on film. And I was like, one of the experiences was like just being able to see this done, you know, with a, you know, a proper projector. And it just looked amazing. But when everybody went ballistic during the climax, flamethrower included, I went to go see it the day again afterwards just because of that reaction. And, you know, if I like a Tarantino film enough, a.k.a. anything that's not The Hateful Eight, I typically see it more than once in the opening weekend. So, um, yeah, his films, I guess because they kind of unite, you know, artsy-fartsy people like myself and common moviegoers, um, yeah, they get these massive reactions as well. So there is really nothing like that, whether it's the uh, the bar scene in Inglorious Bastards, um, you know, the, the final act of Django Unchained, or, yeah, the scene I just brought up in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So for that movie, the whole time before that scene, I was like, there's something missing. It's a Tarantino movie, but there's something I haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. It, where is it? And then I was like, Hyperviolent action scene. There it is. Because there's always at least one. That's a really good pick, too. So this movie I saw in theaters twice as well. And it was very interesting because it got exactly the same reaction both times, which is funny because it was at very different times in its run. And both times occurred in Sweden, which is not a very noisy cinema-going culture. Like, not huge, given to huge reactions. So it was Get Out. Oh, and I cannot describe anything about this scene without revealing huge spoilers for the film, except that it involves a car. And if you guys have seen this film, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's obvious to us. But I've never seen cheering and roaring in a theater exactly like that, let alone twice. And honestly, it is one of the cheeringest movies I've ever seen in certain parts. So that's awesome. Jordan Peele actually said that he specifically put that scene because he filmed both versions, but he said this one was necessary. Yeah, well, it was, it was a really, really incredible scene. So good, good pick. So that's my uh, fan favorite. Um, and for those of you who are looking to see a bit more of us this month, I don't know why with two episodes a week, um, you can find us on Instagram under the K-Cut as well as Twitter and Facebook. And for Cinematic Smorgasbord, yes, we're still doing it. And we are doing the Sterile Cuckoo for our collective pick. We've also picked Bully, Being There, and Wait Until Dark as our singular picks as well. Well, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next episode for some more Oscar goodness. We're going to be going over the screenplays. That was the K-Cut. We're now going into the off-cut. Bye.